Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. The golden episode, the 50th episode of the Sports Gospel Podcast. And who else did we have with us other than Andrew, our most dedicated co-host here, to have you back on the big episode 5-0. I hope you feel special with that uh, honor. I, uh, I feel extremely honored. Uh, do I win something? Do I get something good? You get free run of the show tonight. Oh, wow. That is, uh, that is the highest prize one can obtain in this life, I think. But you also you got your big prize earlier this week, and we're going to jump into that here. We promised these last two weeks we've been previewing. This is going to be our big college basketball show. We've been giving you updates all year. But before we do that, we're talking about conference tournaments, talking about the big dance, what we expect out of Selection Sunday. We can't ignore the NFL news that we had this week, and the quarterback carousel has been spinning like crazy, so we have to touch on that. And why that is germane to Mr. Andrew, his boy is going back to Green Bay. On last week's episode, I said, looking at all these quarterbacks, I thought Russell Wilson was for sure gone, and I was going to be shocked if Aaron Rodgers left, despite all the drama and the chaos that he causes. We don't want to do too long on the NFL, but Mr. Green Bay Packer, you got the best player in the history of your franchise coming home. How does it feel? Feels pretty good. And uh, I got to say, you know, it's nice that uh, I think what this symbolizes and what this means is that he's going to retire a Packer. Also, you said he's coming back to Green Bay. I said the same thing myself when I posted about it out there on social media and a couple of people killed me for my phrasing. Uh, I didn't want to do that to you, but I guess technically he's staying in Green Bay because he never left. But uh, oh no, my, my, was very for my, my phrasing was intentional. <laughs> okay. Well, my phrasing was not when I said he's, he's back, we're running it back. Um, so, you know, I think that's the best thing Green Bay could have done in free agency was get Aaron Rodgers back and then franchise tag Devonte Adams, which was exactly how it played out. So, um, that's uh that's the Packers free agency right there, folks. That's I feel like that, to me that seems like it was contingent. One of his things was I will come back, but you have to keep Devontae Adams. I think you're one hundred percent spot on. And um they'll also be in the market for a receiver in the draft, I would think. May not be the first round, but I think they will be in the market because they are going to uh they're going to suffer the loss of uh, Valdez Scantling and possibly Alan Lazard, although I think they'll bring Alan Lazard back. So that's um, that's another topic for another day. Can we be done with Jordan Love, though? Is it time for Jordan Love to go find a new home when we can admit that was a really stupid draft pick? Honestly, he is actually um, – I mean, th- I, I don't know how deep you want to get into this now, but he's actually younger than a couple of the quarterbacks that are rookies in this draft. He's younger than Kenny Pickett and barely older than Matt Corral. So uh, Jordan Love is actually still young, and I think the jury's still out mm-hmm. on him. We don't know um, who he is. And also, I, I think that if Green Bay can get something for him, like a second-round pick or something of that nature, they should probably do it at this point in time. Um, I, I can see where you say it's a stupid pick, but at the time it actually didn't seem like a stupid pick because of the fact that you had a 37-year-old quarterback who wasn't necessarily declining, but wasn't showing signs that he was going to have back-to-back MVP seasons either. So that that's kind of uh, – Green Bay kind of hedged their bet by uh, 
making a move to get Jordan Love, and it now appears that he will never start for Green Bay. So, so in uh, hindsight, it looks like a wasted pick, but that's always 2020. And I'm going to use that to parlay in. There's probably going to be some suitors out there for Jordan Love. Not a tremendous off, uh, not a tremendous free agent class, and we hear all these doubts about the rookie class. Some of these guys are going to hit, but there may be plenty of suitors for Mr. Jordan Love if a team really, pardon the pun, falls in love with him. Steelers, now the Colts may be looking. They shipped Wentz out. Uh, you've got maybe the Giants, the Commanders, now with Commander Carson, as he will forever be known. But when you look at teams like the Steelers, the Colts, who knows how committed the Lions are to Goff, the Panthers, the basically the entire NFC South outside the Falcons, and now Seattle. So we can lump that all into one. A lot of potential suitors for Jordan Love. Russell Wilson on the way to the Broncos, not all that shocking. Seattle was going to tear down and get rid of him. The Broncos were looking. I thought Russell Wilson would go to the Giants, but really not a shocking move here. And they Seahawks letting Bobby Wagner go and – Speaking of him, Los Angeles Rams on line one, that seems like a perfect spot for him. So we want to move on to basketball, but the Russell Wilson trade, the Carson Wentz trade, what's going to happen with Jimmy G and Jameis Winston and Jordan Love, if you want to touch on that quick before we move on. Um, you know, I'm really surprised about Russ to Denver. I thought um, I thought Russ to Pittsburgh was kind of going to be a thing. Um, that good old I no just... trade clause. I, I love the talk that he was, Washington offered, and he was like, mm, no. Yeah, and I I can't blame him. Um, although I do think um, he kind of went from being the third best quarterback in the NFC West to now the third best quarterback in the AFC West because uh, I'd put him behind Mahomes and Herbert still. So uh, he's definitely an upgrade over what Denver had before, but he's by no means going to make them the best uh, the best team in the West there. So, but it's going to make that division so much more competitive um, and intense as well. So I think the Rogers news and the Wilson news is the most impactful news. Everything else is kind of just shifting the carousel, the Carson Wentz trade, the potential Garoppolo trade, just kind of churning through replacement level quarterbacks at this point. Yeah. The AFC West is going to be loaded when Derek Carr is the worst quarterback. And I still think he's a top 15 quarterback that the AFC West is going to be nasty and compare that to something like the NFC South where Matt Ryan's the only quarterback there. It's going to be fun to watch Russell Wilson play in that division and a lot of new fresh talent. I like when guys trade conferences, so you can see him against entirely new teams. We've seen enough Russell Wilson versus the Rams and Cardinals love to see him playing against all those AFC teams on a regular basis. I still think he's got about five great years left in him if he wants it. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. Um, and we've brought this up before in prior podcasts, but just think about how the balance has once again, tipped more in favor of elite quarterbacks in the AFC and not so many in the NFC. I mean, the fifth best quarterback in the NFC right now is Kirk cousins. And, uh, Yikes. Um, right. I mean, we've got Rogers, Stafford, Kyler Murray, Dak, Kirk Cousins. Those are the top five. Pick your order of how you order those five. But those are the top five without a question. And everybody else beyond that has some serious question marks. And um, I think you'd be lying if that didn't play into Aaron Rodgers' decision as well. Uh, him looking around the NFC and saying, okay, all I got to do is beat Stafford or Kirk Cousins. 
or Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott, yeah, I can sign up for that. I'll pretend you didn't besmirch the good name of my boy, Matt Ryan, but we'll move on from that. (laughs) I'm sorry. You want to talk about basketball? I would love to talk about basketball. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for, Andrew had his two weeks of preparation. When you hear all these people popping up on Sunday and Monday morning to analyze the bracket, they're going to tell you they watch Conference USA. They did not. But you know who did? Andrew did. 9 p.m., he's watching Marshall and Louisiana Tech. He's watching Fairfield and St. Peter's. He's watching Vermont and Binghamton. Had your two weeks to prepare. So we're going to start here looking at the small conference games. And a lot of these have finished up, so we want to look at some of the teams who have punched their ticket and look at some maybe long shots. You want to bet on some of those fun upsets. We're going to give you some insight on that. And then we're going to go into the bigger conferences that are just getting their tournaments underway. So unless I've missed any, I'm going to try to get this. We're recording this while many of these conference tournaments are coming to an end. But going alphabetical, the Atlantic Sun with, I know I'm going to say this wrong, Bellarmine, Bellarmine. We'll come back to their story here in a minute. The Atlantic Sun tournament champion, Big South, Longwood, I believe their first conference tournament. So prepare yourself for a week's worth of Longwood jokes. Colonial, Delaware, the Blue Hens winning that one. Wright State taking the Horizon League. Stunning, my pick, Northern Kentucky at the last minute. So thanks, North Kentucky. No surprise, Loyola, Chicago taking the Missouri Valley. Northeast, Bryant cruised through that tournament. Familiar face, Murray State winning the Ohio Valley. Southern, Chattanooga, the Mocs, one of the great buzzer beaters. This is what March Madness is all about. Go catch the end of that Chattanooga tournament game when they won the Southern, the, the SoCon, if, if you will. Sunbelt, Georgia State winning that one. So again, you got one. Um, I forgot the summit there. CBS needs to get their website up to date. You had South Dakota State win the summit, and then to the surprise of nobody, Gonzaga winning the West Coast. So recapping that, Bellarmine, Longwood, Delaware, Wright State, Loyola, Bryant, Murray State, Chattanooga, Georgia State, South Dakota State, and Gonzaga have punched their tickets. Did I miss anybody who's in so far? There may have been some games that have literally finished tonight. Um, I think that is, um, of the teams that finished tonight, I think we're still um, well in advance of the finals. So I think that's everybody who's punched their ticket. I I did find, I found two that I missed. Vermont hammered Binghamton. That was the championship, correct? No, that was the the America East semifinals. Vermont will play UMBC tomorrow for the, the right to play in the big dance. Ah, there we go. But, uh, Navy, Navy, Colgate. That was a championship game. Am I crazy? I actually, I think you may not be crazy. Um, I believe that was actually the, uh, the Patriot League tonight. Yeah. And as a recording, I have that game still as ongoing, but stuff to prep that when, is, you, when you. That is still ongoing. Colgate's currently up 10 against Navy with four minutes left. Um, so it looks like Colgate is probably going to punch their ticket. Again, there's no guarantees wild things happen here, but uh, Colgate looks like they might be well on their way. Okay. So looking at who we have here so far, maybe some of these other mid-majors, who are some of the Cinderella's that you're excited about, whether it's a team who's punched their ticket or looking at some of these small conferences that are ongoing uh, who are some of the teams you like? And can you concisely explain better than I can the Atlantic Sun situation? Um, 
basically, um, Bellarmine is transitioning from D2 to Division One, and there's kind of a, a four-year period when you do that where you are not eligible for the NCAA tournament um, for the first four years in Division One, and that Bellarmine is still in that period. So even though they won the conference tournament championship, which should be an automatic bid, it's going to go to the regular season champion who I believe is Jacksonville state. Um, The regular season champion usually gets an auto bid to the NIT instead of the NIT Jacksonville state is now going to find themselves in the NCAA tournament because Bellarmine won. So um, that that's probably the simplest way I can explain it. Which two points, that's got to be scary if you're the Atlantic Sun, a team that isn't even full-fledged D1 yet, just cruise through your tournament. But also at the same point, why even let that team in the tournament? They took a spot from, I think they actually, so there's Jacksonville and there's Jacksonville State, both in the Atlantic Sun. I think they beat Jacksonville in the championship, which if I were that team, I'd right. be like, wait, why are we, we could have had that spot, but we're letting a team in who's not even going, who doesn't even have a shot. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's the part that I can't really explain or make sense of. Um, and I think you're right. That is scary. Maybe for the other teams that uh, Bellarmine was able to so easily go through that conference and win the conference tournament. And I, I think uh Honestly, I think we should put Bellarmine in the NIT to see how they do there because um, they at least deserve that much. They deserve some sort of postseason play for for their accomplishments. Now, looking at the teams, we'll, we'll start here. The teams who have already punched their ticket and you're not allowed to pick Gonzaga, which of these teams, if somebody's picking their brackets at home and they see this team pop up, these are your teams that are maybe on a good day going to hit the 11 line, but these are your 12, 13, 14 seeds. Who's the team that you would be looking at in an upset come next Monday? I think there's three teams from the group that you've already mentioned that kind of stand out above the rest. And I'll put them in order for you. South Dakota state, Murray state, Longwood. I think those are the three teams that stand out for me. I've watched each of those teams play um, multiple times this season and also in the conference tournament as well. Um, South Dakota state, that's one of the best offensive teams in the nation. Um, I don't think people realize that because they are some league squad. And so they write them off. Um, but that's a team that's 29 and four who went undefeated in their conference play and won the conference tournament, which is kind of a tough feat to do. Uh, they're the first summit league team to ever do that. Now they are defense optional. So that, that does give me some pause, but They're one of the best field goal shooting percentage teams in the nation. In fact, they might actually be the best. I'd have to look that up. I I don't have confirmation on that. But they're a team that could drop 90 on anybody. Um, And, in fact, I think, you know, I think they're going to be on that 12 line. And when people see them on that 12 line, I think they're going to be a really trendy upset pick to make there on that 12 line. Murray State is a team that kind of just gets after it. They're extremely athletic. Uh, they, they're a little more defensive-minded 
than what South Dakota State is, but they have plenty of offense as well. Um, the the other thing that I like about South Dakota State is they have a lot of guys with Iowa ties. I'm from Iowa. They have um, Doug Wilson from Hoover High School here in Des Moines. They have uh, who who built Apple. that roster, by the way? Who built that team? Uh, that would be uh, T.J. Otzelberger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was an interesting. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You bringing that up. I don't know how many of those guys that are still there are his guys. Um, I think some of that is on uh, the new coach, Eric Henderson, who's a good coach in his own right. But uh, they uh, that's a that's a really good team that loves to play an exciting brand of basketball. So I. Uh, I think that's going to be my number one team. And then Murray State's number two, Longwood. Um, again, that's a, that's a really solid team. They're one of the better passing teams that are out there. If you watch them play, uh, you, you'd be really impressed by their passing and how precise it is and how they share the ball and move the ball. And they have a couple of guards who can get in the lane and make plays and they play tough. Um, they're a little bit undersized on the front line, but that's kind of the the deal with a lot of these mid-major teams is they don't have a lot of uh, size on the front line and bang. They just have really skilled players all the way around. And so that's kind of what Murray State, South Dakota State, Longwood, those three teams, that's what they have. Now, I've seen Longwood kind of on that 14 line, so they're going to have a tough time in the first round because they're going to get put up against a three seed who's going to be a really good team, a team that a lot of people pick to the second round. I've seen Lunardi putting them up against Villanova. I honestly, in some ways, don't hate that matchup for Longwood. Like, I, I think Villanova might actually be, like, the best matchup of the three seeds that they might get. Um, because, again, Villanova doesn't have a guy who goes down on the block and bangs around. That's the kind of team that, the teams that I mentioned need to avoid. They get matched up with a team who doesn't have a strong, big athletic front line. That's when it kind of comes down to skill and experience and poise. And those three teams have a a lot of all of those three things. And also South Dakota state can just get hot. They can't stop you, but you can't stop them either. And if it's a high scoring game that favors them a lot of times. I know you disagree with him more than I do, but uh, I guess he'd be Jerry brackets over on the CBS. It has Longwood as a 15 in his latest projection going up against Duke. I I think it is a world of difference getting from that 15 line to that 14 line. You know, you, if, if you're the 14 and you're Longwood and you draw Wisconsin, I'm not scared of Wisconsin in that situation. I'm not scared of Tennessee. I I like Villanova far more than you do, but – yeah, if you can make it to that 14 line and get off that 15, I think Longwood's one of those teams to watch out for. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, Jerry Palm um, has actually been proven to be one of the most inaccurate bracketologists out there. I think year over year his brackets are the most off. So I think uh, I think uh, we can kind of throw Jerry Palm by the wayside. I kind of – I, I roll with Lenardi, but I also roll bracketmatrix.com, which gives you a good average. And I think uh, the average for uh, for Longwood there is around a 14 seed. So, but you're you're right. 15 versus 14 is actually a major difference. 
I'm I'm trying to look up where exactly Longwood University is. It's in the Big South Conference. Oh, Farmville, Virginia. I was today years old when I learned that. Also, who is this college a joke? It is Longwood University, and their address is on High Street. <laughs> uh, this sounds like I'm going to leave up. that there for every 14-year-old to make their jokes. <laughs> this sounds like a made-up university, but I promise you it's real. Are you sure it's not the, um, oh, God, what was that? be a lot funnier joke if I could remember that fake high school they made up last year. Like, they didn't make them go to school. ESPN put them on for one of their, like, top 50, like, modern-day uh, South Lake Carroll kind of games. Yes. Um, I can't remember their name, but uh, this is not that, I don't think. <laughs> but, I mean, they came out of the Big South, which is, I mean, you beat Winthrop, who I just always think of dominating that conference. Uh, um, before we move on, a team that hasn't necessarily punched their ticket yet a team that I think will be in um, regardless of what they do in their conference tournament, North Texas. That's a, a really scrappy conference USA team. Um, I would like to see them win their conference tournament because I could, I think that could potentially get them to maybe on the borderline of that 11 line, probably not, but maybe um, they're probably locked in as a 12 along with South Dakota state, but North Texas is kind of a team that I, uh, I could see given a given teams fits because they are, their identity, their calling card is defense. They're going to put you in one of those grinded out games. They're like a mid-major version of Virginia is kind of the way I can describe them. Um, and you get the, you get a team who's kind of antsy, who kind of wants to, score a lot of points and uh, North Texas puts you in a low possession game. All of a sudden you get nervous and tighten up a little bit. That's the kind of game that North Texas wins. So I, uh, that's another team that I think is going to be out there that people should keep their eye on. You, talk about, take the on. you talk about being a Virginia esque school tw- and on your beloved Ken Palm, North Texas is 20th in adjusted defense and 106th in adjusted offense. If that doesn't sound like a Tony Bennett team. Yeah, that, I mean, that has been 100% a Tony Bennett team. And you kind of led me into this. That was the direction I wanted to go was looking at, I wanted to look at some of these smaller conferences and kind of play a, are they in or are they out, whether or not they win their conference tournament, kind of like you just did with North Texas. Some of these we've gone over. Uh, I'm going cons- to I'm, I'm call the A-10 a small conference this year. Anybody, do you see anybody outside of the conference champion in the A-10 getting in? We're used to this always being a conference that's good for maybe three or four teams, but it all looks very down. Only Davidson is in the top 50 in the net. Uh, try Clicking between too many screens here to try to go between the conference and the standings, but still a long ways to go. They're just getting their tournament underway, but anybody other than Davidson have a crack at this thing from the A-10? VCU is kind of one of those teams that's right in the bubble. I think Dayton has a chance as well. I think I think that's kind of what we're going to get with the A-10. I think we're going to get three teams probably with the A-10, Davidson, VCU, Dayton. Um, possibly Dayton could get left out. Um, two or three teams at best, I think, from the A-10. And this – I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to slide this talking point in here. The last two weeks of college basketball have been insane. 
I thought it was a relatively calm season. We talked about how weak the bubble was. and like, man, all these power conferences don't really have anybody to write home about. But then you look at somebody like a Memphis, for example, who suddenly gets hot and is taking bubble spaces. The Big Ten can't make up its mind if it's good or bad or not. There's all of a sudden the last two weeks has been pandemonium. Your top 10 teams losing left and right. And a lot of these teams who we thought were on the outside looking in start clicking here in March. And I think we're going to have a much more wide open bubble than we expected. Yeah. Um, the bubble is so bad this year. I think. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's completely wide open. So that is, um, that is definitely going to be something to keep our eye on come selection Sunday. We talked about the Big South. The Big West will be lucky to get their one team in. Stay away from any Big West team. If you, they're probably going to be a 16 seed. We don't have to worry about them. Colonial. Okay, I know this is going to be a really dumb pick. Delaware. We buy in Delaware. Do I feel crazy enough to if I see Delaware on that 14 line? Do I like the Blue Hens enough? I really liked UNC Wilmington, and then they broke my heart. So I'm a little bitter, but. I don't think I would take a chance on a, on a team like Delaware. Um, if we're talking the 15 line, I'm, I'm looking at Brad bracket matrix.com um, because that is kind of a compilation of all the bracketologists and where they rank teams. So it gives you a good composite. If Colgate and it looks like Colgate will hang on and win the Patriot league, Colgate is probably going to be the best 15 C that there is. Delaware is the next after that long beach state, Jacksonville state is what I'm seeing here on bracket matrix com. I, I think Colgate is the team that I would take out of the 15 seeds. I'm going to give you three different teams that I think need to win their conference tournaments to have a shot at this. You've got Princeton out of the Ivy league, Iona out of the, I may, may act, however we say that. And well, then, to, and then, and then to lead a lot of the traditional Mac. Well, Iona already played their way out because they unfortunately lost to Ryder tonight. What? Yep. So uh, the Iona Gales, I, I'm I'm breaking the nose to you right uh, now as we speak. They are in the um, NIT because they was, are the regular season champion. Ryder was 14 and 18 on the season. Well, they're 14 and 18 now. Because they won, they were thirteen and eighteen coming into that. Doesn't tonight. make me feel better. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't make you feel better. Um, but ah. now the MAAC champion will be a bid stealer, and who knows? Because Iona was definitely looking at a thirteen seed if they won their conference tournament. A thirteen seed, possibly a twelve if things fell fell right for them. Um, but now, obviously, they're looking at where they're going to go play in the NIT. So that was going to be a team that I was going to bring up just because of the Patino factor. I've watched them play. I've seen them play. I know they're a decent team, a well-coached team. It's a guy who's been there before. Um, so they do give people fits if they if they get in, but they're not there this year. Well, I will revise my question then for teams that I basically are they believable Cinderella's to steal you an upset Princeton out of the Ivy League, Toledo out of the MAC, and New Mexico State out of the WAC. These are all kind of the top teams in their respective conferences. 
that have good records, but probably won't get in unless they win their conference tournament. So any of those three teams strike your fancy as you get a little tempted, your, your pen's feeling a little wily there on that, maybe a 12-5 or a 4-13 game. And New Mexico State, Princeton, or Toledo tickle your fancy. Out of those three, I would most certainly take uh, Toledo. I honestly think the Mac, the Mac champion is going to be a team that's going to be a decent team. It's probably going to be Toledo or Ohio. And um, you, you wouldn't expect this, but those teams have guys that have been in the NCAA tournament before. Um, and also Toledo has some, some good players. Um, Ohio has some good players as well. Um, some good guard play. Um, I'd be, I think you'd be shocked um, at the level of guard play that you see out of those teams and good guard play can take you pretty far in, uh, in March. So that um, I think the Mac champion honestly is going to be a team that if I'm feeling trigger happy, I'm picking the Mac champion regardless of who it is. Now looking at some of these slightly deeper mid-major teams, Let's start out here at the West Coast Conference. We know Gonzaga, they're going to be on the top line. That They're probably going to be the overall favorite, I would guess. They'll be the first overall seed. How many other teams from the West Coast? They've kind of had a strangely good year. St. Mary's, we're kind of used to them being there. San Francisco is the number 24 in the net. And then BYU uh, drops a little bit to BYU and Santa Clara. But is it crazy to think we're going to have three or four teams from the West Coast? Or are you sticking with Gonzaga and St. Mary's? Everything I've seen is we've got we've got three teams going in. So we are gonna get Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and San Francisco. BYU, I believe, lost early enough in the conference tournament. They they kind of needed to win one more game in the conference tournament to really solidify themselves. They're gonna end up on the wrong side of the bubble. So I think we're gonna get three teams from the West Coast Conference in the in the big dance this year. And similar, similarly, the Mountain West Conference is either really good at the top or a lot of parity, but you've got Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State all right tight together, and then Wyoming a little back from that, at least in terms of the net. Uh, I'm not sure where they're at in their conference. Let me scroll to the Mountain West Conference as we sit here recording. Uh, so they just are getting started in theirs, and none of these teams have played yet. So how many teams... If you had to put your money down, how many teams are we going to get out of the Mountain West with those four all in contention? Yeah, I think what we're going to get is the top four in the standings. We're going to get Boise, Colorado State, San Diego State, and Wyoming. Um, and Wyoming is going to be one of those teams that's going to be in the dreaded play-in game. I think they're going to – they're kind of a last four-in team. Um Wyoming, I think they'll be in, but they they definitely have to beat UNLV tomorrow. Um, they can't afford a loss to uh, an 18 and 13 UNLV team. So, um, I think uh, I think all four of those teams. Colorado State is the one I'm most sure about, um, but the other three I think would do themselves well to just go ahead and win. Uh, tomorrow, especially Boise State, a loss to 13-17 Nevada team would be pretty damaging. Um, losing to Fresno State, if you're San Diego State, that's who they play tomorrow. Not as damaging. 
Colorado State, I think, is in win or lose. But the other three, specifically Wyoming more than the others, because they're on that last four in, they can maybe find their way. You know, if they were to make a run to the finals, they can find their way from that last four into a last four by where they don't have to play a playing game. They're on an 11 line instead of a 12 line. So I think uh, we're getting four teams from the Mountain West this year. And over in your neck of the woods, the Missouri Valley, any chance for Northern Iowa, Drake, or Missouri State now that Loyola won the conference tournament? Or did one of those three teams have to win the automatic bid to have a chance? Yeah, I think um, I think we are a one-bid league in the Missouri Valley this year. Um, Which would have been had Loyola not won the conference tournament, I think you're looking at two. I think Loyola would have been in it at large regardless. I think you're I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. If Drake had won over Loyola, I think Loyola gets in as a an at large and Drake gets in with the automatic bid. Um you and I as the regular season champion there, but unfortunately they sustained too many bad losses in the non conference season that being the regular season champion couldn't overcome that. They didn't have enough quality victories to win. And, and Loyola, I mean, they're they're up there in net, and then they won the conference tournament. So uh, I, I totally agree with your assessment there. But because of the way it unfolded, unfortunately, Missouri Valley is going to be a one-bid league. And, and how about Loyola winning the conference tournament on their way out of the league? I mean, they're out of the league next year. They're moving on over to the uh, – to the A-10, I believe, next year. And uh, the Missouri Valley is adding – I forget who they're adding, but uh, I think it's going to be a good add for the Missouri Valley when those conference changes are made. But those conference changes are definitely getting made. So that kind of adds to the drama. But I don't think Drake or UNI or Missouri State did enough to play in at-large. Let's get into the big boys, our power conference tournaments here. We're going to start with the American. I still consider it a power conference. Maybe three teams have a shot at this thing, but you've got Houston, who is running away with it all year, SMU hanging around, and the suddenly very hot Memphis Tiger team. As we get into this American conference, who do you see? And outside of Houston, these other two teams have a shot if they don't win the tournament. I think – um, Houston and SMU are kind of kind of locks for the big dance. Well, Houston for sure is a lock. They don't need much of anything to be into the tournament this week. SMU, I think they're for sure in, although they're kind of one of those last four by teams. So maybe they need to win a game just to really solidify themselves. Memphis, I think, is also going to be in, and Memphis is – who I'm actually picking to uh, to win this tournament because I think they're kind of getting hot at the right time. So I think Memphis is actually going to win the American tournament. I saw that beatdown last week Sunday that they put on Houston in Memphis. I mean, it was it was a real beatdown. Um, it looked like Memphis was by far and away the better team, and so maybe they're kind of figuring things out at the right time. So 
Memphis may be on the bubble, but I think they're going to play their way off of it by just winning this conference tournament. And the ACC, the very suspect ACC, that it looks like a few more teams have played their way closer to the bubble here late in the year. Duke, the runaway top team, I would say, in this conference so far this year, but you've got North Carolina hanging around there, Notre Dame, Miami, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, all potentially at-large bid stealers. What are we going to see out of the what should be the best conference in college basketball? Should be, but it's almost assuredly not the best conference in college basketball. Um, Honestly, if uh, Virginia doesn't win tonight against Louisville and then win tomorrow against North Carolina, I think they're out. Um, Virginia Tech was able to steal a late win. I actually just watched that unfold. They hit a three at the end of overtime to preserve a win over the Clemson Tigers, which they really needed, but they've got to beat Notre Dame tomorrow. Honestly, I think what we're looking at from the ACC is the potential that this is only a four bid league. If Virginia or Virginia tech doesn't make a run through to the semis or maybe even the finals, um, because Wake Forest took a loss to, to Boston College today. Some folks think they're solid. Wake Forest is solidly in. Some folks think they're out. The jury's kind of out on Wake Forest. And that bad loss to end the season against Boston College, if, if certain other things, if there's more bid stealers, that's really going to be to the detriment of a team like Wake Forest. And so there's definitely a scenario where we only get four ACC teams in the NCAA tournament. And because of that, it's really opening that door. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's really opening that door for more mid-major teams. And I'm absolutely, I'm here for it because I would personally like to see more mid-major teams and less um, mediocre power conference teams in the, in the big dance. So um, we'll see what unfolds here. The team I'm actually taking to win this tournament though is uh, North Carolina. I think again, it's kind of like Memphis. They're kind of getting hot. They just went into Cameron in coach K's last regular season game and kind of blew the doors off of Duke and Duke's a good team, a team that I can actually see winning it all and uh, North Carolina was able to beat them so you talk about a team getting hot I think North Carolina is kind of that team you know what I'm scared of because they've been known to do this stupid Syracuse is going to get hot win the ACC tournament and then make a deep run somehow and steal a bid from somebody feels like a very Syracuse thing to do that does feel like a very Syracuse thing to do I would have agreed with that but um, the news actually just dropped that Buddy Beheim is suspended for the game tomorrow against Duke. And uh, that's 20 points per game right there missing and probably the best player for Syracuse missing against the best team in the, in the ACC. It, it seems like a pretty Syracuse thing to do to make a run. I think they kind of had their run today by blowing the doors off of Florida state and, uh, it's a crash back down to earth tomorrow without Buddy Behan. 
Shucks. And to the Big East, the Madison Square Garden Championship. What I think is a pretty wide open conference. I love Villanova. You hate Villanova. But we also mix in Providence, UConn, Seton Hall, Marquette, I think are all tournament teams. Creighton and Xavier, I think, are on the bubble, depending on how they do here. But what do you see out of the Big East other than dismay and putting down Villanova? (laughs) I... To be honest, I don't. I don't hate Villanova. I just am not as in love with them as as you seem to be. I think Creighton is actually more solidly in. I think Xavier is actually solidly out, and they're especially solidly out now um, that they lost tonight in the overtime to the Butler Bulldogs. That was kind of a. They kind of needed to make a run to solidify themselves, but. 18-13, 8-11 in conference. Uh, unfortunately, I think Xavier is out. So the teams that I see making the big dance, I mean, there's Locks, there's Providence, Villanova, UConn, Marquette, and Creighton. I think those five are absolute lo- Locks. Um, the team that could make a run and play their way in is Seton Hall. I I wouldn't bank on Seton Hall making that run and playing their way into the big dance, it's not out of the question. Um, I think the team here that's going to to make the run and and win this tournament is not Providence. It's not Villanova. I think it's this this Creighton team. Um, again, they're kind of hot. They've kind of been playing well lately, and I think they kind of they maybe need this one a little bit. But I think they're kind of a team who's a little bit younger where maybe the pieces weren't fitting together well early in the season. It's a lot like Memphis, a young team, the pieces weren't fitting well. At some point it started to click and the pieces were fitting better and they've got a good coach in Greg McDermott and the pieces are kind of coming together at the right time. So I'm I'm not going chalk with a lot of these conference tournaments. I think it's kind of going to be a wild major conference tournament week. And uh, I could see Creighton winning the Big East tournament this week. Speaking of teams you love, we're going to go to your favorite conference, the one that, as much as I don't want to admit it, is probably about an eight-bid league, the B1G, the Big Ten tournament. You guys started getting the Big Ten? Where are we at in the Big Ten tournament? We started tonight. We had a – and actually – pretty entertaining game between Nebraska and Northwestern, um, which for some reason, Nebraska decided to turn things on and win uh, four conference games, beating Ohio state, beating Wisconsin on the road, which is just things that people did not expect um, them to do. They're actually a big part of the reason that Illinois was able to share a part of the, the conference title. I mean, all Wisconsin had to do to be outright champs was, beat Nebraska at home and they, they were unable to do so. So we started tonight in the big 10 with uh, Northwestern barely edging out Nebraska, which uh, is good because uh, Nebraska was one of the hotter teams. They were, they had won three conference games in a row and that streak ends now with uh, the lost Northwestern and they're obviously done for the season. Um, no postseason play for the Cornhuskers and, and Fred Hoiberg, unfortunately. And right now, uh, Minnesota and Penn State are in the second half in a in a heated contest as well. So uh, Northwestern won, and they'll get to play Iowa tomorrow. 
in the first round, and then the winner of Minnesota Penn State will get the privilege of paying, playing Ohio State tomorrow night at 8 p.m. So we are going to be at the second round tomorrow. Um, and that will kind of start off with a pretty entertaining game between Indiana and Michigan. I think Michigan's on the right side of the bubble currently. Indiana is not. They're kind of that first four out, maybe even next four out, depending on who you ask. But Indiana desperately needs a win. I think Michigan would do well to win. They don't want to leave things up to chance. I think a win really, really solidifies things for Michigan to where they're they're not sweating it out come Sunday. If they lose to Indiana, they may be sweating a little bit, maybe not much, but a little bit. And um, But I think that's going to be a, a very entertaining game as well. And I think this conference tournament is going to be entertaining. I know you don't watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, but I think this is truly kind of a – Again, I feel this way about a lot of the conference tournaments. Is It's kind of a wide-open atmosphere. I looked at the Ken Palm. I mean, I I love Ken Palm. I know you're not as big of a fan of Ken Palm, but I definitely am. And the teams with the best odds to win this tournament are Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, in that order. Um which which I found interesting because Purdue's the three seed and Iowa's the five seed and they have the second best odds to win the Big Ten tournament, um, which would mean winning four games in four days, which it's been a while since Iowa's done anything of that nature in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so I think I think someone other than Illinois, who is now the one seed, um, because of their play late in the season. And Wisconsin's the two seed. Um, man, I, I don't know how I see this conference tournament playing out. I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, pick Purdue to win the uh, the conference tournament, but I think this is going to be a, a Purdue-Iowa final. Um, I think Iowa's going to get a third shot at Illinois. The first two times were really close, and uh, I think uh, I was going to get them on that third shot. But I think uh, Michigan will beat Indiana, and so that will put Indiana out. And so we're only going to get eight teams from the Big Ten this year instead of the nine that we got last year, and and that's okay. I think the Big Ten is in a better position this year to have teams that make deeper runs. And I have made no secret, I am drinking that Kofi Kool-Aid. I am all over this Illinois team. I love them as a legit championship contender. Wisconsin is dull and will forever be dull. Purdue has burned me too many times in the past decade. I have a moral objection to picking Iowa and anything that's not wrestling. Everybody hates Ohio State. I don't think Rutgers gets in. Michigan sucks. Indiana's terrible. That basically leaves me with Michigan State as the only other option, and I've not heard anybody talk about them. It's just like, oh, it's Izzo. They're going to make it. They'll get an 8-9 seed and whatever unless they end up making a miraculous run and winning this thing. But Illinois is really the only team in the big 10 I care about watching right now. Hmm. I'm, I'm sorry that you have the moral objection to the Hawks. Um, it's well-deserved on their part. Okay. I'm, I'm really, trying really to more because they're fans than anything else, but that's a different conversation for another day. Hmm. 
Mm, I'm trying to take my bias out of the situation here. I'm going to again reference Ken Palm, um, but over the last month or so since the clock turned to February 1st, I know I told you this over text, but uh, and you maybe didn't care, but I, I put some stock into this, is that Iowa's been the third best team in the nation metrics-wise since February 1st. Um, so I think that is something. They're 8-2. and two. Their last 10 games, it's in some ways, I think this Iowa team's built better for a deeper run this year than they were last year. It's a more athletic team. It's a team that has kind of found their way on defense. The defense was struggling early in the season. It's, it's kind of becoming a strength of the team and they're kind of just treading water rebounding. They were really getting beat on the boards earlier in the year and they've kind of found a way to kind of, even things out on the boards and that's kind of good enough because the offense has been there all season. Um, you talk about Illinois. I know they want to share the big 10 title, but they're, they're a little too up and down for me. And I know you have a love affair with Kofi Coburn. I, I do not. Um, I, I don't want to rip, rip the guy. But the dude, the dude travels. The dude takes four steps in the so lane. He's getting when ready for the NBA. Yeah, he's he's totally. I mean, he's there because he travels so much. Um, Kofi's big. He's just he's just big, and that's that's his skill set. Is that he's very big. So, uh, um, I I hate to rip the guy, but I I think uh, there's a reason why he hasn't come out to go to the draft yet. And I think some of the feedback is, Kofi, you're just a big guy. He's he's Dwight Howard is what he is. And I'm not sure he's as good as Dwight Howard was. So I know your love affair with Kofi Coburn. I, I think Illinois is susceptible to kind of a you think they're national title contenders I think they're more of where they were last year where people were thinking they're national title contenders and they take it on the chin against Loyola in the second round I'm not putting too much stock into Illinois this year Um, I kind of made that mistake last year getting high on the Illini and thinking they were going to be the big 10 team to break through and win a championship. Finally, I don't think Illinois is that team this year. I have more faith in Purdue and Iowa than I do in Illinois in a tournament setting. Well, speaking of my misplaced faith in college basketball teams, the big 12 and the Texas Longhorns, a conference that really seems like it's kind of limping to the finish here. Maybe we'll get six bids in feels like it's Baylor and Kansas and then everybody else. I love Chris Beard and this Texas team. I think Shaka Smart set him up and Beard has to just dunk it in. Texas Tech has an amazing defense, which again, Chris Beard building that team. I think the best defense in your beloved Kempom is Texas Tech. But those top four seem to be kind of pulling away. And even then, I don't love Texas Tech that much. TCU and Iowa State will probably get in, maybe Oklahoma, and then get smashed right away. Oklahoma State cannot make the tournament. Uh, West Virginia is, I don't know what happened to Huggy Bear there, but the Big 12 at Baylor or Kansas, pick your poison. And then if you're like me and you really want to fall in love with that Texas team, but for the most part, the Big 12, I don't know what there is to get excited about with this conference right now. Well, 
defense if you like defense. The Big um, 12, we're not supposed to play defense in anything. Run and gun yeah, all sports all the time. I saw a joke on Twitter that the Big 10 basketball scores match the Big the, sorry, the Big 12, we just got done talking about the Big 10. It's still on my mind here. The Big 12 basketball scores match the Big 12 football scores. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, what are, what are Iowa State and Texas Tech doing in the top of the defensive rankings? That's not it's not allowed. <laughs> That's got a um and Oklahoma State's up there but they're cheaters. So, well, yeah. You got to admire you got to admire the consistency of that, I guess is what I'm saying. So, if you're going for the defense wins championships philosophy, I mean, conference tournament week tomorrow night at 8:30. I mean, get get to ESPN two and watch Iowa State Texas Tech for the third time this year. Maybe we can get a a thirty five thirty three barn burner. It's going to be a race to forty points. Yeah, first team to first team to forty wins. Um, and and people think we're joking about that, but I, I don't think we're joking about that. Um, whatever the over under is, just uh, just go hammer the under. If uh, the over under is anything above. 100 points. Uh, go ahead and hammer the under on that game tomorrow. It is 125 and a half. That is entirely <laughs> too high. That is uh, just, you know, bet the house on the uh, the under on that right there. Throw that in your parlay and just don't even worry about it because uh, that is going to be an absolute dogfight. And, and strangely, I think the winner of that game is the winner of the big 12 tournament. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I, I do kind of anticipate that winner being Texas tech just because I think they have a little bit more offensively than what Iowa state does. It's not much. And that's not saying much. I know that, but, and I think personally, I think Texas tech is the team from this conference that makes the deepest run come March, I know people are going to say, whoa, what about Baylor? What about Kansas? I kind of say, what about them? I mean, Baylor is without everyday John, as Fran Fraschilla so affectionately calls him. But I think that's a, a bigger injury than what people realize is that um, he's kind of that solid rock in the middle for Baylor, and they've kind of been shaky without him. Kansas, there's just something about – their guard play, their point guard play specifically that isn't there yet for me. That kind of bugs me. I think Texas Tech is just a more well-rounded Chris Beard isn't there anymore, but Mark Adams, um, his replacement has proven to be a pretty good coach. Who's just kind of waiting for his moment. He's an older guy, um, but he's kind of been waiting for his moment. And now it's, it's kind of here. I think, it wouldn't shock me if Texas Tech is the team from Big 12 that goes the furthest in the in the big dance. Get that four versus 13 Texas Tech-South Dakota State in the first round, and you're going to have to make a decision. Ooh, that is going to be a tough decision for me to make. Um, let's just hope that South Dakota State makes it up on that 12 line and not that 13 uh, line. we got to pick up our pace here if we're going to finish these conferences and t- <clears throat> talk about the women a little bit. Uh, two conferences left here, I believe. Luckily, one of them should be short and sweet, and the other one may take a little bit more time. 
But first, the Pac-12, three teams here, they'll be lucky to get three in. Arizona, UCLA, USC are the only three teams that really matter here. The rest of it is nobody has a prayer of making the tournament. But basically looking at those three, I love UCLA, but Arizona seems to kind of be America's sweetheart. That's the team everybody's falling in love with as we get towards finish line. Yeah, I kind of think uh, Arizona is is kind of the team here that's going to actually be the best from uh, this conference. I kind of like UCLA, but they've kind of had some injury concerns and um, everything hasn't meshed as well as it as I thought it would with everybody coming back from that final four run last year, it, it really just hasn't gone as well as I thought it would for UCLA. As far as who's winning this tournament, I, I think Arizona is going to win the PAC 12 tournament and then subsequently, you know, be a one seed, possibly even the number one overall seed. We'll see what the committee does with Gonzaga versus Arizona in that regard. Not sure that it really matters all that much, um, but I think uh, Arizona is the, Odds on favorite here, and I'm sticking with them. And our last big conference to look at here, which in a rare off year, maybe the most intriguing conference, the SEC, not a usual basketball conference. The big story, Auburn having their terrific year, Kentucky looking back to being Kentucky, Tennessee in their very, very rock fight defensive style right there at the top. Arkansas, LSU, Alabama, all look tournament bound, A&M, Florida, maybe Mississippi State hanging in bubble territory. What do you make out of this unexpectedly fun SEC? Well, I think I think Florida is, is definitely out. Um, I would put them on the outside looking in currently unless they make a run. So I think we're looking at a, a seven-team SEC here, and – I think this is going to be, again, like I've said about some of the other tournaments, I think this might be actually the most compelling tournament because Auburn is the the regular season winner. Um, but I think Kentucky is the actual best team here. But Arkansas is a team that's kind of been red hot. Tennessee is kind of a team that's been red hot. Um. I'm not taking Auburn to win this. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be Arkansas coming through here from the four spot and winning, winning this conference tournament. Um, I think it'll be an Arkansas Kentucky final. I think we'll get a, a rematch of what was a pretty good game. Um, and I think we'll see Arkansas Kentucky. And as far as the NCAA tournament goes, I think the team that is going to go the furthest is Kentucky. Um, I've got a bet on them to make the final four. I made that bet a while ago, back in, in January when things were kind of, kind of turning for Kentucky when they kind of turned on the gas a little bit. Um, I think that's the most well-rounded team in the SEC. They can, they have good guard play. They have a legit big man in Oscar Shibwe. Um, they can just beat you in a variety of ways, and they can lock in defensively too. Good rebounding team. So I think uh, I think Kentucky is the SEC's best hope at a national title. I can't explain it, but I'm kind of with you on Arkansas. Something about them—they just have this feel. I don't—I have no rationale. Some kind of just gut feeling, instinct. Arkansas feels like that kind of 
team going in the right direction at the right time. I like them to make it through here and probably be your best performing SEC team in the tournament. And we didn't talk about this very much. Uh, teams to stay away from. I want nothing to do with LSU. If you know a five twelve, a four thirteen, you want a matchup. Give me somebody to take out LSU. They just they're horrible on the road. They just feel like a team primed to be upset every year. So if you're looking for some of those power teams, and maybe we can address some of those before we get out of here. You're looking for a power conference team that's going to get a good seed to get knocked off. Give me LSU all the way to be stunned in the first round. I'm going to go with a different SEC team, Alabama. I've watched Alabama a few times. You don't know if you're going to get the Alabama um, from early in the season, the ones that were able to – well, the ones that lost to Iona or the ones that were able to knock off Houston, uh, the ones that were able to beat Tennessee. That is a – the definition of a hot and cold team – Alabama played South Dakota state earlier this year. I've been seeing Lunardi have them primed up for a rematch. Alabama won that game 104 to 88. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on the, on Alabama to win that game again. In fact, if I thought, I think if they matched up again, I'd take SDSU in that. So the team I, I hate the most from the SEC in the, in the tournament who I'm probably picking against round one, no matter who the opponent is, is Alabama. Just just a few more to round that out. Ohio State, Houston, USC, Providence, all those teams scare me to really pick too far. You know, teams in kind of that three to seven range. Those those are the ones that I have a lot of trepidation about. And depending on how those matchups shake out, that I could see a Oh, Murray State versus Ohio State. I can see Murray State taking that one, you know, those kind of games. Yep. I'm uh all those teams you mentioned, I'm kind of uh, I'm feeling the same way about a lot of those teams. Um an, another team, maybe not the first weekend. I think they're probably gonna claw their way into the second weekend, but once we get beyond that point, is a team like Auburn. Um, I think they're perhaps a little overrated. Um, Wisconsin, I, I know how much they've overachieved, but Johnny Davis got injured. He is going to be back for the Big Ten tournament, but we'll see what that looks like. So that's that's something to keep an eye on maybe. I'm not necessarily going to pick against them. And Houston, you mentioned them. Again, injury factor. Texas, Big 12, if we're picking a Big 12 team, Texas is kind of like Alabama where they're a little bit, you don't know exactly know what you're going to get. I, I want to pick a team that I know what I'm going to get from them night in, night out. And uh, Texas is not that. So that's a, that's another team that I'll throw in there. Any other thoughts on the first weekend of the tournament conference tournaments, first weekend of the big dance first round, anything else we haven't talked about on the men's side before we, jump over to the women's tournament here for a few minutes. I know we say this every year and it's, it's kind of cliche, but I think you're going to see more upsets this year than in, in years past, just because I think there's a lot more shaky teams out there than there are solid, consistent teams. So I think we're bound for kind of a surprising sweet 16. 
I'm I'm ready for it. Give me all the double digit seeds. Give me some new blood. Yep. Well, you're going to enjoy it this year then. Jumping over to the women's side here, a lot further along in their conference tournaments, a lot more tickets punched. We're going to run through these really quick. Uh, Belmont Bruins out of the Ohio Valley, Mercer Bears, NC State, one of the favorites in the entire thing, the Wolfpack winning the ACC, UMass, Kentucky, your beloved Iowa Hawkeye women and the best player in the country in Caitlin Clark, Stanford, another one of the likely one seeds, Longwood. How about Longwood making it on the men's and women's side? UT Arlington, UConn, no surprise to see them back. Uh, Iupui, IUPUI, one of my favorite teams, South Dakota and Gonzaga as well advancing. So quite a few tickets already punched on the women's side and uh, your Iowa Hawkeyes in there looking at the, I use ESPN's bracketology on this one to make you feel a little bit better. As a reminder, the women do campus sites for the first little quadrant. So you could have a, a busy week if you wanted to. Iowa as a three seed and Iowa State as a two seed, both could be hosting. You go to Ames and Iowa City and watch a lot of basketball in one weekend there. But looking at the women's bracket, we know you're going to wax about how great Caitlin Clark is, but otherwise the women's bracket, I am all about this South Carolina team, but what else do we have to look forward to on the women's side? I mean, I'm going to try not to, you know, again, I'm going to try to take my bias out of it, but uh, I think uh, that Iowa team is going to be one to keep an eye on. I'm I'm going to be looking at where they're put. I mean, I think they're kind of locked in as a three seed. Um, but I think I'm going to really be tempted if they aren't in a, in a region with South Carolina to put them through to the final four. Um, and that Iowa State team, too, um, I think they're going to go far as well. So that's going to be uh, something to keep an eye on. And then UConn, too, uh, Paige Bukers, uh, maybe I'm butchering that last name, but she's back, and uh, she's a sensational player as well. And so maybe it's kind of a thing where having her back might propel UConn to run we'll see kind of how that plays out as well. Um, I know NC state is a very good team. Um, Stanford's got a really good team and they've looked really awesome as well. I just hope uh, LSU falls flat on their face. I mean, <laughs> who, who doesn't, who doesn't hate Kim Mulkey? I mean, you, you don't like the LSU men and uh, I guess I'm with you on that. And I don't like the LSU women, Man, I just don't like LSU. I think they have the worst collection of of coaches in major sports with Will Wade, Kim Mulkey, Brian Kelly. I feel like they just have they just said, oh, okay, we're gonna collect all of the worst coaches in all the major sports that everyone loves to hate. And uh here you go. We're gonna roll them out there. So uh but I, I especially hate Kim Mulkey. I think it's kind of trendy to hate Kim Mulkey, but I hate her. But she so, wins. She wins, and so I'm, I'm secretly hoping that we get an Iowa LSU Sweet 16, so Iowa can be the ones to put them down. Uh, I would love to watch Caitlin Clark bury Kim Mulkey, and uh, th- I think that would be just grand. So uh, um, we'll kind of see how the matchups play out. I think South Carolina is probably going to end up winning this whole thing. I mean, they just have so many All-Americans. I am glad that you called Caitlin Clark the best player in the country. 
I don't know if you've seen this, maybe you're not on Twitter that much, but I have, but there's kind of been this push from ESPN to say, Oh yeah, Boston's the best player in the country. And uh, I just don't, I just don't really understand that. I don't really understand how you could watch the two and come to any other conclusion that uh, there's someone better out there than Caitlin Clark at, at this current point in time. Right. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think ESPN has been really pushing both and they've been really big on promoting women's college basketball a lot more this year. So you're seeing a lot more, especially Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin Clark, but I felt the same way the last couple of weeks. They're really trying to make Aaliyah Boston a star, which she deserves it. She's one of the best players in the game. It could be a phenomenal, uh, just looking at the women's talent you have in this thing, Aaliyah Boston's teammate, I believe it's Destiny Henderson. She's their kind of that little scrappy point guard, but all that swagger and confidence. She's so much fun to watch. So you have those two in South Carolina, Caitlin Clark with Iowa, Ashley Jones at Iowa State. I'm pretty sure it's Paige Beckers. I think I used to say Buchers, and I'm pretty sure it's Beckers, but she's back playing for UConn. So you're in good hands on the women's side with all these players that you're going to get to know really, really well. And my apologies for not knowing them better, but NC State, Louisville, Stanford, UConn are all going to be loaded. Baylor's, even though Kim Mulkey's no longer there, still probably up to full cupboard, uh, kitchen cupboard of talent there. So there's going to be a lot of women's players you're going to get to know here in the next couple of weeks, but it will be Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers, and Leah Boston leading the way. Yeah, and I think what Caitlin Clark is doing is it's it's transcending the game a lot like uh, Sabrina Ionescu did when she was at Oregon. I think it's Caitlin Clark's kind of a transcendent player. I mean, she can pull up from the logo and hit it, and it's – you know, I, I hate doing this, but it, it reminds me a lot of a female Steph Curry um, thing going on. I mean, we see, we've seen how Steph has kind of revolutionized the NBA a bit with all the three-pointers that are shot, and he's revolutionized other levels of basketball as well with the way he kind of plays the game. And I think we're going to maybe see that with Caitlin Clark. And I don't know how you – you can't factor that in. I mean, a, a woman who's averaging a near triple double, I, I don't understand how that can't be the player of the year. So Aaliyah Boston, great player, deserves a lot of awards, a lot of praise. Absolutely. But uh, Caitlin Clark, national player of the year, I'll be disappointed if she doesn't win it. And what I'm really rooting for is uh, – is for Iowa and South Carolina to somehow meet up uh, deep in the tournament because there's been a little bit of Don Staley saying things about Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin Clark and Lisa Bluter saying things about how great Caitlin Clark is. There's kind of been them kind of taking these shots at each other. And I kind of want to see two teams that are kind of like, they haven't played each other a lot, but they're kind of building up like a, a bad blood kind of thing where if they faced up with each other, there'd be, it wouldn't be all handshakes, smiles and sunshine. And I think it'd kind of be good for the game in a sense. Any, anything to get that more attention and build up that tournament. Something else to remember though, if you are filling out a women's bracket, the women's side has a lot more chalk than the men's. There are upsets here and there, but don't go quite as crazy on your women's bracket. If you just look at the last couple of years, you're going to see a lot more of those one, two, three, and four teams in the sweet 16 than you typically do on the men's side. The 
the, the top of the women's side tends to really hold hold court when the tournament starts. Absolutely. And do you attribute that to the fact that the first couple rounds are played on site for the high seed? I think that could be part of it. I think it could also be a much deeper issue than we have time to get into here, where it's been teams who have dedicated the resources to their women's basketball program more so than others. And over time, I think you're slowly seeing that shift. But the parity, I think there's very much been the haves and have nots in the women's side for a long time where you're Stanford's, your Tennessee's, or your Yukon's dedicate a lot more resources. So they've just yeah. been building up talent for decades and decades and decades. Whereas the thing, some of them are starting to catch up a little bit more now and starting to get more parity. But yeah, your your 13 seeds in the women's side are have a lot bigger long shot than your 13 seeds on the men's side. Absolutely. But if if LSU is a two seed and they play Texas Arlington as is projected in this one bracket or go UTA. Oh, I'm a big UTA fan. Whoever they play. I'm, I'm really just, I'm against Ken Mulkey. I do. I don't, I'm suddenly very interested in this. I do love that the women's bracket does this where they play the, the campus sites for the first round, those first two games. It's really fun. Yeah, it it is fun. And um, I'm sure that has to play some part in it. Cause if you, depending on where the location is, could be a very long road trip for somebody. Absolutely. And, and depending on the dates and times, I mean, I think it would be uh, quite wonderful to, for me to find myself at a women's tournament game in, uh, in Iowa city, probably most likely for me, but if uh, I can make it at a time that doesn't interfere with uh, watching men's, the men's tournament, uh, I think uh, I kind of want to want to see that. So well, we are ready for March Madness, both the men's and the women's. Bring on the NIT, bring on the CBI, bring on the CIT, bring on whatever brackets they have. I will fill them all out. I will lose money on all of my bets. But I'm ready for March Madness. It's been an interesting college basketball season, kind of a wide-open year, a lot of fun players that we're all going to get to know much better. We remember a couple of years ago, nobody knew who John Morant was till the tournament. Now he's one of the 10 best players in the NBA. So that's what we have in store for the next couple of weeks. Try to get Andrew back on here at least once or twice before the tournaments are over. Question Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Andrew, any last parting shots about the tournament before it kicks off? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to losing a lot of money uh, betting on tournament games this these next couple of weeks too. So I'll be right there with you losing all the money. So, Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Happy March Madness. We will see you all next Thursday night with a NCAA wrestling preview show talk a little bit of NBA and NFL and see how the first weekend of the tournament is shaping up.